Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're with us. What an amazing time of worship. Amen. And what an amazing God that we worship. And we are in this season of Advent. Advent literally means coming. And so in this season, we are celebrating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the name of the series is Wonder. We're talking about the wonder of, of Advent. Because sometimes, you know, as we come to the end of this year, it's really a time for us to slow down. And yet, how many of us slow down when it comes to December, right? We got all kinds of things and activities and shopping and Christmas parties and all kinds of things going on. And yet Advent is a time of, uh, to slow our hearts down. It is a time to prepare ourselves for the celebration that culminates on Christmas Day, the coming of Jesus. And so this is a time for us to experience wonder that God has created us for. You know, through the ages, Advent was a time to, to have this longing and this aching for the coming of, of Jesus, like the people of God of, of old. And it's really it's a time for us to make room in our hearts for Christ to come. You all know the, the carol, the song, it's like, uh, I think it's Joy to the World. It says, let every heart, what? Prepare him room. Y'all are supposed to sing with me or something, all right? Nobody knows that one, apparently. Um, let every heart prepare him room. That is what Advent is all about. It's about us preparing our hearts and, and recognizing, remembering, and celebrating and worshiping Jesus who came to bring us hope and peace and love and joy. And those are the, the themes that we're celebrating through the season of, of Advent. So last week, this, this large candle represents hope, which we talked about last week, that God is our source of hope, that Jesus came to give us hope. And this week, we're going to talk about the wonder of peace, the wonder of peace. And so I'm just going to pray. Let's, would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Let's invite again the Lord into this time as we open his word together. Father, thank you that you are the God of peace. We come to you this morning because we want to hear from you. We want to receive from you. We want to know the peace that you offer. And Lord, even in this season for many, um, it can become a hard or a difficult time. And yet this is a time that represents the coming of Jesus who brought us peace. Peace like we have never known and could never know aside from the Lord Jesus. And so we'd ask that you would help us to understand more fully this peace that you have brought to us. Help us to be people who receive it and keep it and cultivate it in our lives. Thank you for the peace that you have brought us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We see the story of the birth of Jesus. We're going to read from uh, chap verse number 1 through verse number 15 in Luke chapter 2, just to kind of set the context for us. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, it says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he went there, verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. 
And so we see in these first seven verses, we see the birth of Jesus. And y'all, I'm, I'm preparing to sit down and read the story to all our kids on Christmas Eve. And so just getting ready for that, all right? Um, but we see the birth of Jesus. But then we see in verses 8 through 12, we see this angel appears to the shepherds and he, he makes this announcement. And so we see the angel's announcement to the shepherds starting in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so this angel appears to these shepherds. He makes this announcement that there is this baby to be born. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior of all the world. And this angel that makes this announcement is suddenly joined by this whole choir of angels who break out in song. All right, so this isn't a solo, like, angel performance here. There's this choir that rushes in alongside him, starting in verse number 13. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And so we see the angel choir's song, and it's essentially what we've sung this morning. Angels we have heard on high. And there's this declaration from this angel choir of a couple things that the birth of this boy is going to bring. There's, there's two things that, that the life and the ministry of Jesus would bring with his birth. Glory to God in heaven and peace to people on earth. Glory to God in heaven and peace to people on earth. And so if you look back at verse number 14, here's, here's the song, here's the declaration. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so this ministry was going to bring, first of all, the life of Jesus was going to bring glory to God in heaven. Another way you could say that is glory to God in the highest heaven, um, glory to God on high. There, there's a Latin phrase that y'all have sung this morning. Maybe some of you didn't even know what it meant. Gloria in excelsis Deo literally means in Latin, it means glory to God in the highest and so what the angel was declaring or the angel choir was declaring is that this baby boy would bring glory to God. Through his life, through his ministry, he would please God. He would honor him. He would glorify him with all of his life. If you know the story of Jesus in the Gospels, he certainly did that. But what I want to focus on is that second part of this declaration. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angels declare that people on earth are going to receive peace. 
Now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, if you're sitting with someone, turn to the person next to you or someone around you or just discuss it with yourself. All right. How would you define the word peace? What do you think of when you hear the word peace? Talk amongst yourselves. Go. All right, I'd love to hear all your responses. I hear laughing and all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I bet most of our, our de definitions would, would, would include something about having no conflict, right? Not being at war or not fighting with others, not having tension or division. And that's certainly part of it. But I want to I wanna use a Hebrew word that this word peace comes from. And it was, this was such a, a significant idea and concept to the Jewish people, the people of God. The, the word peace, what we get in English as peace, is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. Everyone say that with me. Okay, here we go. Shalom. One more time. Shalom. Very good. Peace be with you. All right. So this is such a big concept because though it does include the absence of conflict, the absence of, of, of war, it's much more than that. It's about the presence of something more, something fuller and more complete. In fact, the word shalom or peace means to be made complete, to be made whole or to be restored. So there's the idea that like something is missing or something is broken, something needs to be restored or made whole again. This is what shalom means. Again, not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of, of wholeness and completeness. So I want to I share some examples of shalom in the Old Testament, just to give you some, some examples. For sake of time, we're not going to look through the scriptures themselves in this point, but just a few examples. So Job, Job, he, was said, that his, he said that his tents were at peace or in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and there were no animals missing. And so his, his tents were at peace. So for some of you that are parents, if you were to go at night and check all the bedrooms and all the kids are in bed and everyone's safe and secure, you would say, my household is at peace. It is in a state of shalom. David, before he became king, when he was still a shepherd boy, do you remember the story when the nation of Israel, they're being taunted by this giant uh, named Goliath and David's brothers were on the battlefield and here comes little shepherd boy David and it says that he went and he greeted his brothers. That word greet means shalom. In other words, it has to do also with a person's well-being. So he came to the battlefield and he greeted them and it was like he was saying, hey, how are you guys? But not like we Americans say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Okay, that's great. No, he was, he was concerned about their well-being. How are you? How is your soul? Are you at, at a place of or in a place of shalom? David's son, years later, Solomon, he was charged with building the temple, which was, was all about the presence of God dwelling in this, this temple. And it's said that when, in using this in a kind of a verb form, when, when Solomon completed the temple, it's said that he, he, he brought shalom, the sense of completeness. It was finished. 
you know, in the Old Testament, everyone had, you know, livestock and animals. And so if, if one of your animals were to wander into the neighbor's field, all right, and would destroy or eat or damage a part of their field, the way that you would bring shalom is you would completely repay what was damaged or destroyed. So something was made incomplete or, or not whole and you would restore or pay restitution and you would bring peace or shalom to that relationship. In fact, all the way through, a lot of times in the book of, of Proverbs, there's um, Proverbs about relationships. And as you all know, like relationships can be broken, right? And, and damaged. And so to bring shalom into a relationship is to bring healing and, and restoration between two parties. When rival kingdoms would, would make peace or make shalom, they wouldn't just stop fighting against one another. They would begin to work together for the good of the other party. So it wasn't just an absence of war or conflict. There was this working together that brought shalom or peace. And Israel's kings, they were meant to be those who would promote shalom amongst God's people. But if you know any of the stories of the many kings in Israel's history, very rarely did that happen because those kings would go and worship other gods and set up high places and false idols. And so God's people weren't in a place of shalom with God because they were being disobedient. They were worshiping other gods. And, and, and this was the responsibility of their kings to help promote shalom. And this is why when you come along in, in, in the, New, the Old Testament, we come to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. And we read this verse last week about this, this child who's going to be born, the son who is going to be given, and the government was going to be upon his shoulder. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah longed for this prince of shalom to come and to rule and to reign and for the government to be on his shoulder, that his reign would right all wrongs. And this was the hope and the desire of the prophet Isaiah and God's people, that this one would come and bring peace to God's creation and God's people. This is why if you've heard me talk about the story of God, there's four movements, creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. Creation that God created us for his glory, but then the fall happened. Sin entered into the world and broke our relationship with God, separated us from God. Our sin separates us from God, but we celebrate Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the rescuer who brought peace through the blood of his cross. However, that fourth and final piece is restoration. And that is the day when Jesus comes back again and makes all things right. And he offers ultimate, final shalom, restoration. This is what all of history is marching toward. The, the, the new creation when it will be as God originally intended it, where everything and everybody is in a state of shalom, perfect peace. And this is why Jesus came. He came to bring shalom. He came to bring peace. 
Let me read for you Luke chapter 1, verse 79. This is Zechariah. He's the father of, of John the Baptist, right? The cousin of Jesus. And he speaks this prophecy about the coming of Jesus, whose coming was likened to the sunrise. And he says this about Jesus and his coming. He's coming to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And we sang about this this morning. He came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of what? Peace. What he's saying here is that after centuries of, of the world laying in darkness, the dawn is about to break and the birth of Jesus would bring peace on earth, shalom on earth with the coming of Christ. In fact, in John 14, verse 27, Jesus himself makes this declaration to his followers. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, I give you my peace, not the same kind of peace that the world gives. In other words, there is a form of peace that the world offers, but it's unlike the kind of peace that I bring because the the peace that the world brings may be a lack of conflict or a lack of war or a lack of, of struggle, but his peace, the peace that Jesus brings is unlike anything the world could ever offer. Because the world offers a peace that is external. It's about the things going on around you and it's not an internal peace. It's not a peace that lasts, a peace that is eternal. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. It's why I came a couple chapters later in John, John 16, verse 33, Jesus says another monumental statement. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Because in the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, in the world you're going to have trouble, you're going to have struggle, you're going to have tribulation, but you can find in me peace. Because peace isn't found in a lack of conflict. Peace isn't found in a lack of struggle in your life. Peace is found in Jesus. Because here's the reality. Maybe you've experienced this before. You could have no conflict going on around you in your life. No conflict, no tension at all in your life. And yet, you can be without peace inside because this is different than what the world offers. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. I've come that in me you may have peace. This is why Jesus came. So here's the question. The life and, and, and ministry of Jesus brought glory to God in heaven and peace to people on earth. What people on earth get to receive this peace? Like, who are the special ones? The really good, the really religious ones? Who is it that receives this shalom that Jesus came to bring? And I want to look back again at Luke 2, the, the declaration by the angels. They, they sang this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. How many of y'all know the phrase, um, glory to God in the highest and on earth 
goodwill toward men. Are you familiar with that one? That's the one that always just kind of flows out. But other translations will say, um, glory to God uh, in the highest on earth, peace uh, on whom his favor rests. And, And the version I use, the ESV, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So who are those that God is pleased with, that he gives his favor to, that he that he puts his shalom or peace upon. Who are those people? Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Here's who gets to receive his peace. Here are the ones who God is pleased with. Actually, let me backtrack. Do you you remember a statement by God the Father in the New Testament where he said, I'm pleased with this person. Do you remember a statement there? baptism of Jesus. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am, what? Well pleased. I'm pleased with my son. Why? Because he was perfectly sinless. Everything he did was perfectly obedient to the father and glorified the father. The only ones who can please God aren't the ones who are good enough, who are, have completely stopped sinning. No, the ones who please the father are the ones who are found in his son. Jesus. They're the ones who have repented of their sins. They've turned away from their sins and they've turned towards God. They have put their faith and their trust in the Prince of Peace. And in those, those are the ones in whom God is well pleased. And those are the ones who receive the peace of God. Shalom. So how do we respond to this peace? What do we do with this peace that Jesus has brought? Well, we walk in the wonder of peace by living as peacemakers. We walk in the wonder of peace by living as peacemakers. In Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus, in the middle of this incredible sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, he makes this declaration, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So when you think of the term peacemakers, all right, again, and you don't have to have a discussion with anybody around you, but what do you think of when you think of a peacemaker? Someone who you would describe as a peacemaker. Like one of the people I think of is my, my dad, who is just a very meek and mild fellow. Like you, you don't rile him up very easily. Like if he raises his voice, you're like, oh, whoa, that is upset, right? He's just, just very meek and mild. He's a peacemaker. He doesn't like conflict. He's not argumentative. And sometimes that's what we think of a, as a peacemaker. That's, that's not the scriptural picture of, of a peacemaker. Uh, let's, let's talk about what it means to be a peacemaker. First, we have to have peace with, with God. First, peace with God. Romans 5.1 says this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So like we talked about, there's this problem that we have because of our our sin, we are separated from God and we need someone to come and make peace for us with God. And because of what Jesus has done, we can have peace with God. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, talking about Jesus. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so here is Jesus. He is the ultimate 
peacemaker. And through his death on the cross, he makes peace between us and God. He reconciles all things through the blood of his cross. Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 15. We looked at this first verse last week when we talked about our condition before coming to Jesus, that we were without hope in the world. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 12. It says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now, In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our what? Our peace. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making what? Peace. There's this hostility between us and God because of our sin. The wrath of God rested upon us, but because of Jesus, he came to rescue us and he came to offer himself so that we could receive peace with God. He is a peacemaker. He brought us peace with the Father. And for some of you, maybe you've never had peace with God because you've never submitted yourself to him. You've never put your faith in him. Let me be straight up with you. You can't do enough good. You can't be religious enough, come to this church enough, give enough of your money to please God. The only thing you can do to please God is to put your faith in him and to be found in Christ. And when he looks at you, he sees the son of God, his son in whom he is well pleased. And so maybe for some of you in this season of Advent, You need to have peace with God. That regardless of what it looks like around you and in your life, there is this peace that is missing within you. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus came to make things right between you and God. If you would just give him your life and put all of your faith in him, you can have peace with God. And so to be a peacemaker, we first have to have peace with God. And then... As peacemakers, we have peace with one another in the church. Peace with one another in the church. Let me read to you Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says this. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Here's how you ought to walk. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of what? Peace. He's talking to the church here and he says, here's here's the way you ought to walk as followers of Jesus, as part of the, the body of Christ, the family of God is, man, walk in humility and in gentleness, be forgiving of one another, be patient with one another, being eager, eager, to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. 
He says this is so important in the church that we're united, that there is this bond of peace, this shalom that, that, that marks the people of God and everything we do in our relationships with one another. That doesn't just mean don't have somebody in this church that you're not fighting with or you're mad at or have tension with. No, it's talking about peace, this wholeness and completeness and fullness. And he says, pursue that with others in the church. Don't just come in and sing the songs and listen and then walk out the door. Pursue peace with the people of God. And this is how that we can become united if we're eager for that, we're eager for relationship where we walk in humility and gentleness and patience and love. And as we do that, as we are bound together by this peace that God offers, y'all, the world gets to see Christ on display through his people who are united. And so we live as, as peacemakers. We live as peacemakers with one another in the church and then with everyone with everyone. We could see multiple places in the scripture where it admonishes us to have peace or to strive with peace with everyone, that we're to do everything within our power to be at peace with others. I want to go to Hebrews 12, 14 that says this though, strive for peace with who? With everyone. Strive for peace, fight for peace, pursue peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The writer tells us, man, go after peace with people. And so let me ask you, is there, is there any strife in your life between you and anybody else? Be a peacemaker. Pursue peace. What he says here is that children of God are called to be peacemakers. And that, again, that doesn't mean just don't be fighting with somebody. It means, hey, be a person who brings wholeness and healing and restoration to relationships, to people, to your home, to the place where you work, to your neighborhood. Be a peacemaker. Be someone who brings wholeness into every relationship and every circumstance and every situation that you step foot into, that you are a peacemaker, at peace with God, and you seek and pursue and strive for peace with everybody else within the family of God and outside of the family of God. I remember this post last year I thought was really cool by the KCSO, the Kershaw County Sheriff's Office. They put this decal, um, this vehicle sticker on all their vehicles. Have y'all seen this before? See what it says at the bottom? Blessed are the what? The peacemakers. Man, I love our, our sheriff and our sheriff's office for this. You know, a lot of um, patrol cars, you'll see another phrase, which is equally as awesome, in God we trust, which I love that whenever you see that. But man, I love Matthew 5, verse 9. Jesus' words right here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become, or they shall be called sons of God. In other words, those who are children of God, if you're a son or daughter of God, your identity is a, you are a peacemaker. You received peace from the Father and you are one who is called to bring shalom into every area of your life and this world in which God has put you in. We are peacemakers and blessed are the peacemakers. This is what he has called us to. This, this isn't just, again, someone, a peacemaker is not just someone who avoids conflict or 
is not argumentative or would say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> That's not what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker is someone who brings the shalom of God into every sphere in which you enter. We're to be peacemakers. And so we walk in the wonder of peace by living as peacemakers. We talked about it last week that life without Christ is a life without hope. Same thing this week. A life apart from Christ is life without shalom. It's a life that is not whole. It is a life that is incomplete. It is a life where something is missing. You may have all the external things in the right place. You may look like things are going well in your life. And yet, if your life is apart from Christ, then your life is not whole. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to bring you peace, peace with God and peace with others, a peace that endures, a peace that lasts, a peace that isn't just external, it's a peace that fills your soul that the scriptures describe as a peace that passes all understanding that will keep guard and keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you, if you don't have peace with God, I have good news for you. God is the God of peace. The scriptures, the New Testament on five different occasions calls him the God of peace. He has come to bring you peace. If he didn't, if he didn't care about you being at peace with him, if he, if he didn't care about you having shalom, then Jesus never would have come because we were in a place of hostility and enmity with God. But Jesus came specifically so that you and I could experience peace in our souls. And it only comes through Jesus. It only comes through Christ. Only through him will all things be restored to complete harmony with God. And I want to end by reading you a quote from, from Paul Tripp. He says this, Christ produced what you and I desperately need but have no power to deliver. Vertical and horizontal peace. The sin alienates us from God and one another, making us enemies with God and casting us into constant conflict with other people. We are naturally better fighters than lovers. But God had a solution, a gift we could never achieve, earn, or deserve. Through the work of the Prince of Peace, we are invited to live in a worshipful community with God and loving community with others. He also, regardless of what's going on in our world, and we live in a time of hostility and conflict, regardless of what's going on in our world, regardless of what's going on around you, you can walk in the wonder of peace. And you can have shalom. Because this is why Jesus came. Amen. Father God, this morning we are grateful for the peace that passes all understanding that you came to give us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that when we were enemies of God, when, when the wrath of God rested upon us, 
your son came and did what we could never do to pay the price that we could never pay so that we could receive forgiveness of our sins and peace with God. And so, Lord, I just thank you for every single person in this room that is, and everyone that is listening that has put their faith in you, that they've become a son or a daughter, and in them you are pleased because they are in Christ. They're at peace. And yet, God, I'm sure that there's someone that is here or that's listening that has never given their heart over to you, that has never experienced the peace that you came to offer and to provide. And Lord, I pray in this Advent season, I pray that even today, you would soften their heart and that they would receive the peace that you give. Lord, help us to live as peacemakers. Help us to walk in the peace of God. Thank you for the Prince of Peace who makes this all possible. Today we worship you because of who you are. We adore you because of what you have done for us. You are the Prince of Peace, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?